What's happening, good people? This gift here for pay us no mind. And today we do an audio, right? So we're talking about which digital distributors are incentivized to help artists the most. <clears throat> now, pardon me. Yeah, today's a bit of a hectic day, man. I got sick kids, like uh three <laughs> are sick. So yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, but we here, and uh, yeah, I wanted to touch on this topic of uh, the distributors that are incentivized to help, because a lot of times artists use digital distributors, and they're wondering which digital distributor is going to help them uh, promote their music, you know? So understanding the uh, different uh, motivating factors that different distributors have will help to kind of understand what drives them and what would ultimately lead to them helping you out or not helping you out. You know what I'm saying? It just adds some clarity to uh, what's going on with these dif different distributors. Now, we're going to fire this up and just start diving into the different ones. So let me see what's up. Uh, let me get this thing, these things up on the screen. Right, like uh, first we could start with TuneCore. Let's start with them. Now, TuneCore is a distributor that charges you $50 per album per year. That's what DistroKid charges, $50 per album per year. 
Now, they don't take a percentage of your revenue. They allow you to keep 100% of what you earn. So if they're not taking a percentage, you look and you say, well, what's the motivating factor? What would drive them to help you and do anything for you other than get your music in stores? Well, the motivating factor is the fact that you have to pay per album per year. So if your releases aren't making enough money to cover the cost of distribution, then what's going to happen? You're going to end up moving your releases off of TuneCore. And you probably aren't going to release more music with them either. Because if one release couldn't make $50, you probably don't want to take the risk of putting up a second release and having that not, not make money either. So they are motivated and incentivized to help artists uh, make money because if you don't make money, you don't use, you, use their service. The bottom line is the fact that it's not cheap. So if an artist has one release that's $50 a year, they have to pay two releases, that's $100 a year they have to pay. Three releases, that's $150 a year they have to pay. This is not money that most artists would just chuck, right? At the end of the year, if an artist has to pay $150, $200, they are going to recognize that and look and be like, what am I getting for this $200, you know? And say, okay, well, damn, I only made $10 in streams, like, like, damn, and I'm spending $200 on digital distribution. That is something that they're going to recognize and move away from. So the cost of TuneCore is what drives them to have to motive, that is what works as incentive for them to do things to help artists make money, because if they don't make money, then they lose their business. So you see uh, TuneCore has like they've launched this new thing where uh, they're rewarding artists with like uh, basically cheaper distribution in order to learn. So you got this thing here, grow your career with TuneCore Rewards, watch master classes and learn from the best, earn points and get free rewards, VIP sessions from industry pros, access exclusive promotional opportunities. Like you see, they make this move and they do this type of stuff because they want to help educate artists so they can do things in a better way that will lead to them selling more music so they will keep their TuneCore subscription. Because if you don't make money, you don't use TuneCore. So that's why they would do something like this, you know, and also try to form partnerships with platforms and things of that nature that can help you make money. Because the more money you make, the more likely it is you'll stick with TuneCore. Now, they don't have complete control over your career to know whether your music will ultimately be successful or not. But at the same time, you know, they do know that if you make money, right, you're more likely to stick around. And the more money you make, the more they want you to stick around. So the more money you make, the more they'll probably do for you. Like they have certain uh, features in a sense of playlist pitching and all of these other things that everybody talk about doing, you know, like all of these digital distributors will help 
uh, artists or most of them anyway, will help an artist to a great extent if that artist achieves some degree of success on their platform, you know, in the way of getting a significant amount of streams or sales or whatever have you, they will, or the good distributors will have some type of uh, uh, premium service that they can provide. You know, they have people on their teams that will do extra work. So you got the educational aspect, which is, you know, you got artists who are, they don't have the sales track record. So it's just helping them kind of figure out what to do and how to how to release their music and all of that different type of stuff to kind of position them for success. And then if they're, then if they're ultimately successful, then they can help them out even more. But yeah, they, they, they're incentivized to help you make money. Distro, I mean, uh, TuneCore is. Now, we can look at some of these other distributors, you know, like we can look at a distributor like 1RPM and uh, discuss their incentive. Now, 1RPM, they don't charge an upfront fee for digital distribution. No upfront fee for digital distribution with 1RPM. What 1RPM does is take a percentage of what you make. So 1RPM takes 15% of whatever revenue you generate. So to that extent, you can look at it and you can say, well, they're incentivized. But that works. There's a duality to that, effectively. Because on, on one end, if artists are making some type of money, then they're incentivized, right? Because it's like the more money an artist makes, the more money that 15% represents. But at the same time, they need to justify doing the work. You know, they, it's not like they can go out there and do all of this work and not make any money because then it's like, how do they pay the people that had to do that work? You know, how do they pay the people that helped you with video production or helped you with marketing or anything like that if no money is coming in? So to a great extent, it becomes a matter of who they attract. So it's like a distributor that doesn't charge any upfront fee that only takes money on the back end might attract a lot of people that don't want to spend any money. And if people don't want to spend any money for digital distribution, odds are they don't want to spend any money on marketing either. So if these people aren't marketing their music like that, they're not investing and promoting their music, it's likely that the music isn't going to sell anything. So if the music isn't selling anything, 1RPM is getting 15% of nothing. And if more or most of the artists that use their service are bringing in little to no money, then it, they're not incentivized to do anything other than digital distribution to help those artists because they're not even making enough money from digital distribution, let alone do anything in addition to digital distribution. And then it can work counter to helping you out because if they're not making money, then that's when things get thick because now it's like, hey, they got to try to pull money wherever they can. So it opens the door two things and not saying that they're doing this or distro kid or any other distributor would do this, but it opens the door to things like, you know, you getting streams in another country or uh, basically uh, numbers kind of 
being manipulated to some extent where, you know, oops, they underreported, right? Your, your, your streams came in. They said you had less streams than what you had and you got underpaid, right? That's when you start seeing those types of mistakes happening, you know, where you're getting, uh, your, your streams are getting un undercounted. Your sales are getting undercounted because they're kind of like not one RPM, but, you know, any distributor that is tight for, for dough might start scraping, you know, trying to pull money from wherever they can. And if they can get a little bit of money from these guys here, a little bit extra from those guys there, you know, then, you know, they, they, they need money. So it, it can drive them to do some funny things. Right. So you don't want to uh, use a distributor that might find themselves in a position where they really press for cash and might have to do some weird things to generate revenue. Now, again, I'm not saying that's the case with one RPM, just saying that that can be the case when a distributor is just surviving off of a percentage of revenue because they effectively need to attract artists that are making money. If they attract artists that don't make money, then it's going to be hard for them to survive as a distributor. You know, now one RPM does a lot of things to try to attract upper tier artists. So it's like if you're an artist on the lower end, they're not going to do nothing for you but digital distribution. But if you're an artist on the higher tier, like if you're an artist that has a successful sales history, they will offer, they do marketing support, like actual marketing support where they'll pitch you to editorial playlists, like really pitch your music. They'll give you video production support. You know, they'll give you uh, PR support. You know, they do a lot of different things for you if you are an artist that has achieved some degree of success. It just becomes a matter of whether you want to sacrifice a percentage of your revenue, because if you are one of those artists that they do those things for, I believe that they want to take more than 50 percent, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's something that you want to consider now moving into something like CD Baby. If we look at CD Baby, CD Baby charges you a flat fee of like $80 per release when you factor in, you know, uh, the cost of dist distributing an album. So we look here, we see, okay, it's, it's uh, $30 to distribute an album or not 80, right? It's $30 to distribute an album and then it's $20 for a UPC barcode. So that is about what? It's $30, $50, $50 for an album, you know, so it's $50 to release an album with uh, CD Baby. They charge you a one-time fee of $50 for the, the album and the UPC barcode, and then they take 9% of whatever you make after that. So it's 9% of whatever you make after that initial cost. Now, the reality with CD Baby is they've made their money. You know, you paid them that upfront fee. And every time you release a new record, you only paying a one-time fee. So the money is already gone, right? So if the release doesn't make any money, it's not like you're losing any money. So you don't really have a whole ton of pressure to keep making money off of the release. Effectively, as long as the release is in stores, it's paying off the cost of distribution. So you pay $40 
one year, I mean, one time for digital distribution, if that release only makes $10 a year in four years, you've paid off the cost. So, you know, it's not something that you're going to be looking over your shoulder for. So if you pay for digital distribution with CD Baby, it's not like you're going to be like, well, damn, man, I, I paid that $40. How, how much have I made back? You know, you might forget that you've even got music in stores or whatever have you, right? Like like me, I haven't made music in years, but it's like releases that I put in stores with CD Baby, they're still there. And it's it's not like I'm, I'm crying over it or nothing like that. That money is spent and long gone. So there's no pressure. And the same way there's no, no pressure on me, I'm not putting no pressure on them. So there's no pressure, right? There's no pressure for them to feel like they need to help me succeed in order to justify me using their service. So it's like uh, people might look at it and say, okay, well, but they take a 9%. So with them taking 9%, that works as incentive and, motiv and, 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 and motivates them. But no, it doesn't because they've got so many artists that use their service where it's like, it's a numbers game. Somebody's got to be successful, right? And if anybody is successful, they get that 9% of revenue. And if they're not, hey, they made their $40 or whatever, and that's good too, right? So it's like no matter what, they make money. If if you if you release, if your release becomes successful, they got the upfront money plus the 9%. If your release is unsuccessful, then hey, they at least made that upfront money. So either way, they're good. You know, they don't really need to go out out their way to really like help artists do anything. Now, they do, right? CD Baby does a bunch of educational things and, you know, the do-it-yourself conference. But I mean, the do-it-yourself conference is additional cost. You got to pay, you know, for that. Uh, I don't know if it still goes on because of, you know, COVID and everything else that we got going on. But they do stuff despite that, right? Just to try to attract more business. So you got that aspect of it. So it's like, if it's a good company, no matter whether they they benefit long-term or not from your success. They're going to do things to compete, you know, not just for the standpoint of, hey, you know, we're going to help you make more money, but to be competitive and to kind of like make sure that they maintain their footing and or to try to dominate and be the main distributor, they will do things to justify you using their service. A good distributor will. And CD Baby is a good distributor. So they continue to add value, you know, to try to get more people to use their service over TuneCore or DistroKid or whatever have you. So you got that aspect of it, competition that motivates and incentivizes other than just helping the artists, you know, succeed for a percentage. Now, you also have DistroKid. Now, you can look at it and you can say, well, DistroKid's whole, whole pitch is $20 a year for unlimited distribution. And for most artists, $20 a year is an afterthought. They get to release as much music as they want. And at the end of the year, if their release only made a dollar, it's like, well, it's only $20. So that's that's the, the thing everybody's always said to me about DistroKid. It's only $20. So it's like the mentality of the users is, yo, it's so cheap. It doesn't even matter if the release performs well because it's only $20.
So the same thing with uh, CD Baby to some extent, because it's like there's no pressure. The artist isn't applying pressure because it's not like that $20 a year is so crushing or so uh, 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 is big enough to attract their attention where they're going to be looking to justify it and be like, well, damn, if my releases aren't making money, I guess I got to cancel my subscription. Like, I don't know many artists who would feel the need to cancel a $20 a year service because their releases aren't making money. You know, they can keep DistroKid and spend that $20 a year, even if they're losing money, just for the prompt, for the possibility that the release might do something down the line or that one of those releases might take off. You know, so it's a, a cost that's so easy to write off, you know, that, yeah, there's no pressure from, from the artist on DistroKid to do anything. And DistroKid, by that measure, doesn't really do much in a sense of, you know, really trying to help the artist get anywhere. You know, I mean, because they only charge $20 a year, they effectively are always looking for ways to make more money. Not so much help artists make money, but to make more money for themselves. So they do a lot of things like try to form partnerships that benefit them, you know, try to, you know, like that thing that they did with the labels where it's like, hey, we're going to give labels, you know, uh, uh, access to our our uh, data so they could see artists, you know, before they blow up. And that doesn't benefit you because I, like I've always said about the distributors that say, hey, you know, we'll offer you a deal if we see you're trending. It's a lowball offer. They're trying to catch you before you blow up so they can get you for super cheap, you know, and you're already trending. So that means that you're about to blow up. And once you blow up, then it's a bidding war and you can make millions of dollars. So why would you sign for like 10,000 or 100,000 or something where there's millions on the horizon, right? So that's not something that benefits you at all. Now, those record labels are paying DistroKid for access to their data. So, you know, they're making money in a sense to sell you off at a low ball offer, you know, that doesn't benefit you. And then you have the other uh, aspect of that, which is, you know, labels get in the data mine and they might not even sign you if they do see you trending because of the fact that they're looking for marketability and not just good songs. So a label might mine uh, DistroKid's data, come across a song that they see developing, but hasn't like reached critical mass where a lot of people know it yet, and just take the song. You know what I'm saying? Take the song and give it to an artist on a roster that they feel like it fits, that they know is marketable and can they can really do something with. So they could be doing that type of stuff you know, sorting through it like, oh, this is this is this is a song that's kind of trying to take that song, you know, because they can't take the lyrics and everything, but they could take the concept. They could take the structure. Right. They could take certain aspects of it. Really, they could take what they want because you don't have the money to sue them, you know. So, yeah, man, it, it's just not something that benefits artists. And DistroKid does a lot of things like that, you know, and a lot of stuff that's like effectively free that artists really don't need no help to do and pitching that as like a benefit to artists. So they don't really, you know, they're not really doing anything to help the artists really like make more money. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't, they don't benefit from that and no way, you know, they don't need the artists to make money to justify the $20 a year subscription. 
and they don't need the artist to make money, period, because they don't get a percentage of what they make. They're allowing you to keep 100% of what you make. So DistroKid is not incentivized or motivated to really like help artists succeed like that. You know, they're motivated to try to find more ways for themselves to make money because of what they charge, but not to help artists succeed. Right. And then you got Ditto. And Ditto is kind of in the same boat as DistroKid. They're not incentivized or motivated to really help artists succeed like that either because, you know, they, you, you keep 100% of what you make. So what's the incentive? They're not getting a percentage and then it's only $20 a year. So it's not something that you're going to lose sleep over if you don't make any money. So, you know, they don't really have a, a ton of incentive either. So the things that they do are additional services. So they offer marketing and prom promotional support, but it comes at an additional cost. So you have to pay a, a, an additional fee for that, you know. So then you have uh, companies like Symphonic. Yeah, and I got to find their website. Yeah. Then you got companies like Symphonic. And Symphonic takes a percentage. You know, they take a percentage of what you make, and that's all they take. They do not charge an upfront fee. So that, so by that measure, again, you say, hey, they're incentivized to help you out. You know, now what Symphonic does is to kind of like, like that problem I was telling you with one RPM, where it's like, okay, well, what if they attract a whole bunch of artists that don't make no money? And then it's like, well, now they're providing this service and they got a, they got bills to pay, but they're not making money. You know, then it's like, okay, they got to start doing funny stuff to generate more revenue. So to kind of like prevent from having being freeloaders effectively, like people who just put, put out mad releases that don't make no money and eat up, you know, their bandwidth, right? Uh, Symphonic is by application. So you have to apply for digital distribution with Symphonic and they have to approve you for their service. So with that whole thing, they can kind of restrict artists that they see don't have some type of following to ensure the fact that that percentage that they take is going to represent some money, you know, so if an artist doesn't have previous sales data, then they'll look at their social media. You know, like, do you have Instagram followers? Do you have Twitter followers? Do you have YouTube views? Things of that nature to say, okay, yeah, this guy's got something going on. Let me accept him into our program or listen to your music and decide, hey, yeah, man, this music is, uh, seem like they put a lot of effort into it, you know, so, yeah, we believe in this music and we're going to take it on. So you can look at one RPM and feel like that's what they're doing. But that could also be not what they're doing. You know, I don't know. Right. This could all be a farce far as we know, because I mean, for a lot of us, we know, man, that a lot of distributors and a lot of companies in general will say it's by application, but they take everybody. That's like uh, uh, that whole ruse with United Masters where they say apply. And effectively, it's anybody that signs up is going to get it. They're not selectively choosing. It's a, 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 
uh, 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 marketing tactic to make the artist feel special. So it's like you apply, you're guaranteed that they're going to accept you, but you get the email saying, hey, you got accepted, which makes you feel like, oh man, they chose me, you know, not the other way around where it's like, yo, I'm giving you my business and now you have to earn it. It's more like, oh, they chose me. So now I'm grateful to them because they chose me, right? So it's just like a different kind of uh, mental manipulation type of game that they play. And Symphonic could be running the same type of game, you know? Now, in addition with Symphonic, man, is, you know, their terms are kind of funny too because they uh, have you into like an exclusive agreement with your music where you're not free to use any other distributor if you're using them, you know, you can only use them, you know, effectively really with their terms, you can't even sell your music on your own website without their permission, you know? So yeah, it, it, it gets a bit weird with them, right? Now, who else is out there? Uh, what other companies? Yeah, I, I guess, no, nah, I'm not going to look at them. Yeah, man. So these are the companies, man, that are out there, right? And this is how it shakes down with them. Now, another thing, if we're talking about digital distribution and you putting your music out there for digital to uh, distribute, to get people listening to it and everything like that, you know, one thing you're going to want to do is sign up for Song Trust and make sure that you're getting everything you owed. You know, everything you're owed, all of your mechanicals and performance and everything like that, man. So I advise everybody to sign up for Song Trust. It's the link in the description box, right? You get uh, 20% off when you use the link from Pay Us No Mind. So, yeah, man, definitely sign up for Song Trust. I get people. So, yeah, man, I mean, uh, what other companies are out there? What else, Who else did I want to uh, tap in on? Uh, matter of fact, let me jump in with you guys and see what's going on in here. If anybody got questions, if anybody want to talk about something, oh, somebody said Lander. All right, let's take a look at Lander. I mean, Lander, is this there or is it Lander? Yep, Lander distribution. The thing with Lander and why they're not particularly incentivized is that they have a whole other business. So Lander's business is mastering right? It's audio mastering. That's Lander's business. So, I mean, the digital distribution thing is like a throw-in, you know? So it's like, it's just like, like how Apple devices have like Apple, like it's like Apple music for Apple, right? Apple's thing is their phones, you know? So Apple music isn't like a real major focus of theirs. You know, they're not like trying to really make Apple music the the like like overthrow uh spotify or something like that you know what i'm saying they're happy you know with their place within streaming because if you have apple music and you have apple tv and you have you know apple arcade then that means that you are in the apple e apple ecosystem and you are going to continue to buy macbooks and iphones and things of that nature so those types of things aren't like the 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 main course for them and that's similar to lander 
uh, digital distribution is not the main course for them. The main course is their their uh, mastering service. You know, they got uh, the whole video thing now that they're doing where they allow people to uh, work remotely with each other. You know, so they got a, a bunch of different businesses in addition to digital distribution where they're not really like dependent on it like that. Now they have different pricing tiers, you know, where you got uh, some of these tiers, they take a percentage. And uh, this one, this 149 a year, they don't. You get keep 100%. Now, by this measure, even with the fact that they have these other businesses, somebody paying this much a year for digital distribution, they're going to want to justify it, you know? So they're going to want to make sure that their releases are making money, you know? Now, again, because they have a whole other business, they might not really care if this person is not making money and, and feeling like, well, damn, I, how do I justify this, right? Because, hey, maybe that person is using them for mastering. Maybe that person is using them for samples. Maybe that person is using them for sessions, right? There's a bunch of different things that they can have to get that person's business. So for them, it's more a matter of bringing that person in, into the ecosystem. So it's like, maybe that artist doesn't know about Landers mastering service. All artists are looking for digital distribution. So they come and they discover Lander for digital distribution. But when they sign up for digital distribution, they become aware of the mastering. They become aware of the samples library. They become aware of ses sessions. So now it's like, hey, we don't have to keep you here because we can get you with mastering or samples or sessions, right? So they're not completely, you know, really motivated and incentivized to kind of like make sure that they justify the cost of digital distribution because they can get the artist using other things that they can make money off of them from. Yeah, man. Right now, let me shout out everybody who in here and we'll get to chatting it up about everything, you know, and it's a link in the chat box for anybody that wants to chime in, you know, vocally and voice their opinion on this whole thing. You know, uh, at the end of the day, you know, you don't have to show your face. Or nothing like that. If you don't want to, you could turn your camera off and just do audio, you know. But yeah, man, this is where we at with it. So let me shout out everybody that's in here, man. Uh, and get to taking questions if you got them. Right, hold on. Let me see if I could pin this. Did I pin it? Yep, I did. I pinned it. So. Let's see. So we got uh Nova Kane in the build in the building. We got Angie Wise. What up? We got 77 YOLO. What's good, man? 773 YOLO. We got Ray Murder. What's up? We got Long Distance Traveler. What's good? We got Jerry NRG. What's up, people, man? 
We got somebody in here from Russia. I think that's Russian. I don't want to uh, insult nobody, but I can't uh, pronounce it. Right? And we got, who else we got in the building? We got Christopher Lewis. What's up? My father's son was good. Chantel Barbie. What's up? Word up, man. It's good to everybody in here, man. I hope everybody feeling good. You know, um, I don't know if it's snow where y'all at, right? But it's snow where I'm at, man. You know, so yeah, we got this snowy day, man. But yeah, again, you know, I say this too, man. If anybody want to support the channel, you can. You know, you got the super chat option, all of that good stuff, man. You know, uh, also, I'll put this up on the screen for anybody to hit me up. Yeah, man. Right? Now, let me see what everybody talking about in here. So we got, uh, said first, somebody says, please speak on Lander. Yeah, man, I did, brother. I spoke on Lander. I mean, as far as the service goes, you know, we wasn't really touching on that today. We were just talking about uh, what what incentive they have to really like help artists, you know. Angie Wise says, I already chose CD Baby. I mean, it's not a bad choice. What we're just, what we talk about today isn't so much about whether the digital distributor is a good digital distributor. Because a good digital distributor is, is just going to do their job, you know. So it's like, what do you need a digital distributor to do? Digitally, digitally distribute your music. Get your music in as many stores as possible without hacking the job up. You know, without having your name messed up, right? Like misspelled or your, your song title jacked up or your cover art coming through shoddy looking or something like that, you know, or your release not being in stores where it's, that it's supposed to be in. Things of that nature, you know, paying you on time, right? Making sure you get your money, having uh, payout options that make sense. You know, so it's like you use PayPal or uh, direct check or di like direct deposit or whatever have you with your bank account, you know, where they can send you money to your bank account. Those are the ways that you want to receive your money. You know, you don't want to go with a digital distributor that's talking about sending you a check in the mail or a digital distributor that's talking about using Western Union or something like that, that you don't use that you're like, well, how the hell do I make this happen? Right? Like, that's not something that you want to you want to do. Right. So when it comes down to it. Yeah, it ain't about whether it's a bad distributor or not. Those are the things that dictate whether a distributor is good or bad. Uh, what dictates whether a distributor is a better distributor than another distributor is like what what they'll do in addition to those things, right? Like the good distributors will cover those basic bases, right? Like your your cover artwork and your tongue titles and you know the stores, all of those things will be taken care of. But the distributors that do all of those basic things, well, what you're looking at is what else do they do, right? What other motivating factors and incentive do they have 
to do more, to help you get more effectively, right? And you also have things that people might not be aware of. You know, you got things like the fact that these distributors have to negotiate with these streaming platforms the rate that they will accept, right? Like percentages, like Spotify takes 30% of the revenue that they generate and 70% of that revenue gets split between all the artists that have and, and the rights holders that uh, whose music they use for their platform. Now, everybody goes in and negotiates with Spotify, the record labels, everybody, and says, hey, you know, we want a, a bigger percentage. And then Spotify says, well, here's why not only should you take this set, keep with this 70%, but maybe you want to take an even lower percentage. And they'll offer them things like more upfront money, you know, like give them a, a higher advance, give them uh, uh, free advertising give them feature placement within the platform, promise them placements in their premiere playlist, things of that nature that they'll give them in exchange for lower royalty rates. So it's like, you got to look at your distributor and say, okay, well, first, what position, what kind of position are they in in the way of negotiating power? Like how much power do they have? Who else uses them? Do they have any other artists on their roster that have any kind of pull? Right. Because if you got a whole bunch of artists, but those artists don't have like big followings, then the streaming platform don't care if they lose your business or not. So if you got a company that has, you know, a million artists, but those million artists have like collectively one million listeners, the platform is like kick rocks. We don't care about your business. So they can't go in there and negotiate and say, give me anything because they'll get laughed out of the building. So you want to use a, a platform or a distributor that has some type of, of, of roster that the platforms value, that got some type of pull, that could go in and negotiate better rates for their artists and get some type of something from these platforms in exchange for a cheaper rate if they chose to go that way, right? So there, there is other aspects to it other than just hey, you know, they get my music in stores, you know, uh, and it's cheap. Nova Kane, man. Happy New Year to you too, brother, man. I hope everybody had a good and safe New Year's, man. Seventy seven seven seventy three YOLO said I had a bad experience with one RPM customer service. So I left. I mean, I had a bad experience with one RPM too. not customer service, but under reporting, you know, like like y'all know me, man, or whoever watches the channel uh, consistently knows I'm a digger and an analyzer and things of that nature. So what I found with one RPM was. That and this was back when Spotify didn't show you stats. So you didn't have any stats. So you didn't know how many streams your music was getting other than what your di digital distributor showed you. So if your digital distributor said you got 100 streams, you couldn't dispute that because how could you prove you didn't, you know? So what happened with me was I was looking at my stats with 1RPM and it was saying that I wasn't really getting those streams. And I knew I wasn't getting massive amount of streams, but I knew I was getting more than nothing. You know what I'm saying? So at that time, Next Big Sound 
had just came out and integrated with Spotify to allow you to see stats. So you could see how many sales or how many streams your music was getting through next big sound with sound with, uh, with, with uh, Spotify. So I sign up and I'm looking at my stats with next big sound and I see, okay, 30 streams this month, uh, 50 streams this month. And I'm like, well, they said I got 50 streams this month, but one RPM said I got two. This ain't adding up, you know? So I reach out to one RPM and I'm like, yo, listen, man, these, this, their platform is saying I got 50 streams. Your platform is saying I only got two. How does that make any sense? You know? And they say, Hey, well, if you could reach out to them and get the data to prove that you are getting these streams, then we'll look into it. So I reached out to next big sound because they were only restricted to like the past 30 days or whatever have you. So they didn't go any, go back any farther than that. So I asked them if they could, you know, go into their data and, and give me that, you know, please. And they did it. So they went and, and gave me like six months worth of data that showed that my music was getting streams for six months that had been going unpaid. And when one RPM went and looked into their thing, they're like, oh, well, we see we haven't paid you for like the past year or two, you know? So I had like a year or two years of royalties that they what didn't pay me. That when I reached there, like, oh, okay. And then they paid and they say, oh, we updated our, updated our system and maybe that's what caused the issue. But who knows, right? They ended up paying me for the two years or whatever that they didn't pay me for. And we moved on. But, yo, again, you know, you don't know what these distributors who be in those types of positions be up to. Angie Y says, I used to work for a subsidiary of Sony, so I am familiar with them personally. Yeah, man, a lot of these companies up the weird stuff. Uh, Long Distance Traveler said, I use CD Baby, TuneCore, and Ditto. He uses all three. He got the trifecta. Uh, thanks for the donation, Angie. Much love. Thank you for the support. Right? Let me see what people are talking about. Hold on, guys. Jerry NRG said, bro, did you see the tweet that T-Pain dropped about stream numbers? Nah, I ain't, I ain't peeping, man. But I mean, listen, a lot of it is fraudulent. At the end of the day, the reality of the situation is if somebody is a big name artist, like let's say Spotify found out that Taylor Swift was pumping the numbers and, 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 and engaging in streaming fraud, a lot of her streams are legitimate. She has a legitimate fan base and they will hurt themselves by removing her music. So if they took, uh, if, if, if Spotify was being real about it, right. And they took off all of the artists who are engaging in streaming fraud, bro, they would have 
none of the top artists because they're all engaging in streaming fraud to some measure. So you're talking about Nicki Minaj, Drake, uh, uh, Taylor Swift. Nobody would use their service. So they're not going after them. They go after the little guy. You know, if they catch you or me engaging in streaming fraud, they're going to kick us off the platform. But those bigger artists, they're not. You know, they are really rigging their own system to make sure that those artists got the most streams because they want them to promote their service. So if Drake drop a single and he say, listen to it on Spotify, that's free promotion for Spotify. So they don't care, you know, whether he's engaging in streaming fraud or whatever. They benefit from their relationship with Drake. So it's like he drops his album. Remember when he put that album out and they made, they put it on, they put his face as the cover of all of the playlists on Spotify, right? You had that whole thing with Nicki Minaj where she didn't get the number one album because of DJ Khaled and she was complaining that they basically promised her all of these things. Like, oh, you guys guaranteed me that my release would be number one because y'all was going to basically force my music on everybody that uses your service. So it's like, from one point, they don't want to lose them as artists in their platform. And for another point, you know, they already rigging the system for them anyway. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what matters if they're engaging in streaming fraud when the platform itself is rigging for them to get the most streams anyway? You know, so I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised at anything about, you know, streaming fraud from the top artists. Angie Wise says, yeah, but you always show us the cold flip. What's the CD Baby downside? I mean, the CD Baby downside is that 9%, you know? So it's like the more money you make, the more punitive that 9% is. And that's the downside to CD Baby, you know? It's like I would be telling everybody to use CD Baby. It's a great distributor, you know? And when it comes to cost, I mean, it's basically if artists don't make money like that it's safe right you don't make no money it's nine percent of nothing but if you do make money then hey that's when you feel the pain right that's when you feel the pain if you make money is when you feel the pain with cd baby you know so you look at it and you say okay if you make ten thousand dollars you're losing $900. You know, the more money you make, the more money you lose. You know, the 100,000, 9,000, you know, uh, nine, you know, the more money you make, the more money you lose, right? So it's like when you start getting up there and you're making money, that's why a lot of the, the, the big artists use a platform like either TuneCore or they go and try to use something like AWOL or uh, what you call it, or... Uh, uh, what's the other one? Empire. Uh, companies that they feel like can help them do more. So it's like either you're going to help me make more money or you're going to allow me to keep 100% of my money. That's what people are looking at when they're already making money. So if somebody's making $20,000, $30,000 a year, it's okay. My choices are use a company that's going to allow me to make more money or use a company that's going to allow me to keep 100% of the money that I'm making. 
you know so if a company is going to do playlist pitching and pr and all this other stuff then yeah they'll go with them and sacrifice the percentage in exchange for them doing all of that work and if they don't uh want to go that way then they'll go with TuneCore because TuneCore allows them to keep 100% while providing them quality service, right? So it's like money, you're making money, uh, CD Baby, odd man out because that 9% when it comes to what they do for it isn't justified to somebody that's making a, a lot of money. So if you're making enough money where 9% represents $9,000, you look at what CD Baby does versus Tune, what TuneCore does, and it ain't that bigger. It ain't no difference, you know? So it's like, why am I going to pay you $9,000 when I could be giving these guys $50, right? $50 versus $9,000 for effectively the same service. You get my, you distribute my music in stores, you collect my money, and you pay it out to me, right? And then TuneCore does advances. So the artists could get an advance against their royalties, get that money ahead of time. So, you know, you're looking for different types of things when you're making money, you know? Christopher Lewis says, they just redoing what record labels did in the past. I mean, it's not what record labels did in the past. Because record labels, listen, and this is the thing, man. Everybody likes to make it seem like, like the record labels are the boogeyman, right? Like, and this is the thing that I'll be seeing too on Twitter with Spotify, right? Like artists love a boogeyman, love demonizing some group, somebody and saying, okay, well, these people are the evil people. The reality of the situation is life has areas of great. It's all great. There is no good or bad, right? It's, it's, it's all stuff in the middle, yin and yang. There's good things that don't do bad things and bad things that do good things, you know? So it's like record labels aren't inherently evil, right? They're not companies that just, oh, deviously seek to rob every artist that they deal with. It is a negotiation when you're dealing with artists. Some people come to the table with negotiating power, some don't, right? The whole thing is that when it comes to artists, we tend, as a society, we tend to look at artists almost like babies, right? Like, yo, you know, you can't expect artists to be informed, right? You can't expect artists to be educated with what it is that they're doing on the business end, right? People look at artists as, yeah, they're artists. They're a different type of person, right? They're eccentric. They're into creating, right? And as a society, we should take care of them and nurture that because they give us such beautiful art. So that's kind of like the stance that we have in society. But the reality of the situation is a lot of these artists aren't kids. They're not 12. They're not 14, 15, you know, even 18 coming to the table and signing these deals. Some of these people, 20, 25, 30, you know, 40 years old signing record deals. And yo, you're sitting at a table, you're getting an offer. You got a lawyer. The lawyer runs over what the offer is. People are in positions where they say, yo, this is more money that I've ever seen. I'm going to sign this deal. You know, I'm going to sign this deal for 100000 or $1 million or whatever have you. And, oh, okay, they also want to buy my publishing for 500000 Bet, 500000 that's more money than I've ever seen. Bet, take that 500000 
I'm about to be paid. I'm about to be doing tours. I'm about to be making millions. This whatever. Yeah, take that. All right, cool. My masters. Oh, they want to buy my masters. They want to offer me a million dollars for my masters. Bet. Oh, a million dollars. Great. Take it. Right. And then on the flip side, the record company go out and make millions of dollars off of that. So you sold something for a million dollars and now the record company's made a hundred million from it or a half a billion from it. Then the artist looks at that and they say, wow, man, I sold my stuff for a million dollars to them and they made half a billion from it. They robbed me. They didn't rob you. You sat there and signed that deal for a million dollars. You undersold your own product. You know, you didn't believe that your music was going to be worth what it, what it ultimately became. And to some extent, maybe, you know, you had to sign that deal because there was nothing else there for you. But that's just charge it to the game, bro. It's like, you know, you do a job with somebody, right? You work a job, you work a minimum wage job. You know, you feel like you're, you're, you're out, your time is worth more than $5 an hour or whatever have you. It is what it is, bro. At the end of the day, you work the job, but if that job allowed you to pay your bills and keep food on the table while you put yourself through school and everything like that. And now because you worked that job and you was able to put yourself through school, now you got a job making $100,000 a year. Yo, that minimum job, minimum wage job held you down for what it needed to hold you down for. You know, a lot of times these artists are not even complaining about not making no money. They're complaining about not making as much money as they could have. The artists that be complaining about not making no money are the artists that kind of like burnt their money down, you know, so they got the advance. They got, you know, whatever money they sold their uh, ownership pieces for. And they took that money and went and either bought drugs, right, where they tried to invest it in the street and got caught and got locked up or whatever have you or lost it in some other way. Right. Bought cars, bought jewelry, just straight blew it. And then at the end of the day, once that money was gone, they was like, well, damn, I'm broke. And these guys are making money off of my music and I'm not getting, um, I can't afford to provide for myself. And it's like, yo, that's that was a decision. These are decisions that are made. Even with Spotify and the argument with how much Spotify charges per stream and things of that nature, it's a decision. No artist has to put their music on Spotify. Any artist can say, yo, Spotify only pays me three thousandths of a cent per stream. I feel like my music is worth more than that. I'm going to sell it direct to fans on my website. Any artist can do that. They can go and sell their music in NFTs. They do not have to put their music up on Spotify. These are choices that people make. You know what I'm saying? And yo, we can't keep continue to keep looking at people like they're babies that uh, especially now when you got Google and anybody can Google anything, you know, and find information out and look at all these YouTube channels providing all of this information. Anybody that goes and signs a, a bad record deal today, that's just willful ignorance, man, or just a thirst for money where they don't even care. It's just, yo, man, I, I want, yo, these guys offering me half a million. Yo, I want it. I'm going to take it, you know? So, yeah, man, you know, it's not just a man, you know, record labels is robbing people or whatever have you. I mean, the digital distributors, they charge you for digital distribution and they put your music in stores. You know, there is nothing similar to what they do that record companies did. Record companies invest in talent. So it's like a record company finds an artist, 
that got nothing going on sometimes, right? And they'll put millions of dollars into that artist to try to make them successful based on nothing other than the fact that they believe that that artist can be a successful artist. And everybody complains about that system. They complain about the record companies, but none of these companies will do any business with you if you are not already successful. TuneCore, CD Baby, Ditto, AWOL, none of them will touch you with a 10-foot pole if you are not already successful. So these companies, a lot of them, you know, be on Twitter talking about the record label structure and all this other thing, but they don't invest in no talent. So you can't go to these companies, give them a demo or sing for any of them and have them sign you to a million dollar deal, invest marketing and promotion into you and help you become a successful artist. You already got to have that money and do that on your own, independent. And then once you become successful, they'll come and sprinkle their respective seasonings on you and eat, you know, but they're not going to hunt. They're not going to kill. They're not going to clean any food for you. Right. So it, there's that duality with what you're being told about, oh, the record labels and that system and down with that system, rise of the indie artists. These people, man, it's manipulation. Right. Because at the end of the day, they're not doing nothing for you anyway. Neither. Right. Unless you're already successful. So, yo, man, it, it, it's it's by for, the, for basically you on your own, you know. Yeah, man. End of rant. Somebody says song trader. I mean, song trader, song trader, uh, they're trying to do like licensing, you know? So it's like TV licensing that they focused on. Now, whether anybody actually gets anything licensed, I don't know. What is the absolute best distributor in your, your opinion? There is no absolute best. It all comes down to what you're looking for, you know? So it's like if you are making money or plan to make money, then you don't want to sacrifice percentages. So uh, platform uh, distributors that take a percentage, that's off the table. You're looking at people that distributors that allow you to keep 100% of what you make. If you're somebody who really cares about the quality of service that you get, then you're going to be looking at more expensive distributors. You're going to be looking at a distributor like TuneCore, right? That charges you a certain amount of money. You're going to be looking at distributors or if you want to do unlimited, you're going to be looking at a company like Lander that charges $165 for unlimited. If you don't care about quality of service and you're fine as long as your music is in stores, however it is in when it gets there, you know, then DistroKid, right? Or RootNote or Ditto. Like, it don't matter. As long as it, it gets in stores, great, right? That's all you care about. You know, so it just becomes a matter of what you want, what you're looking for, what your expectations are. You know, those are the things that determine which distributor is best. You know, I have my preferences. My preference is TuneCore. I like TuneCore, you know, and it's like that's why I link to them. It's a description box, uh, a link to them in the description box where artists could get a discount and stuff. But it's like they ain't going to be the best for everybody. You know, it's $50 a year per release. You know, so it's like if an artist ain't making no money, then distro, then TuneCore ain't going to make sense to them. Long distance traveler says, Ditto has uh, their little markup 
$40 per release if you want immediate release instead of waiting for their typical 15-day release. I mean, I ain't mad at that. I ain't mad at them charging extra if you want to expedite the release because it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical. Everybody, a lot of artists always asking that question, how fast do they get your music in stores? I mean, that means that you're kind of like doing no kind of uh, marketing, really. You know, if you're just throwing your release out there whenever, you know, like, can they get it in stores tomorrow? Uh, Spotify editorial, uh, PR, all of those things, you're talking about four to eight weeks, you know, that you, you need a, like a window before your release drop. So, I mean, just plopping your releases out there, it's almost like certain failure. That means that you are not setting your release up for success, really. You know, so not only are you uh, a strain on the system because it's like, you know, you want your release in stores faster, it takes more work to do, but you also are highly likely to not be bringing in any revenue, you know? So now they're, 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 they're distributing your music, collecting your royalties, all of this different stuff. and you're not really making any money to justify them providing that service to you. So them being able to make more money off of you, right? Hey, makes sense. I ain't mad at that. You know? Chantel Barbie, much appreciated. Thank you. Uh, ProSonic Production says 1RPM seems to have the best coverage. I mean, if you like it. Tulsa Nights Entertainment Group says, have you thought about getting on Clubhouse to speak? I mean, listen, man, Clubhouse is not my type, my, not my cup of tea, you know, and anything with marketing, or music tends to bring out a lot of egos and a lot of grandstanding and stuff like that because people have products that they're trying to sell to artists, people trying to sell artists marketing, people trying to sell artists their platforms. So people get in there and they have their agendas. So it tends to not be a space where people are being honest and 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 really, you know, trying to help like that. It tends to be a space where there's uh, some helping, but a lot of BS because people are trying to lead you into something else, right? They're trying to lead you down the path where you use their service, you know? So either that be marketing or digital distribution or something like that. So somebody like myself who, you know, I only care about, you know, the truth, really, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what does this service really do? What do these things really do? What's the actual value of these things? What do people actually get out of this, right? Somebody like myself in a space like that, you know, it just ends up with clashes and people, you know, uh, 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 yeah, man, it just is a, is a weird space. So it's, it's, it's not the place for me, you know, it's the place for the people that be there, that be on the type of thing that the people in that space be on.
Taz says, uh, am I pronouncing your name right? Is it Taz or Toz? Um, I don't know how. T-O-S-Z is like, I use AWOL. I mean, AWOL, AWOL is a weird distributor, man, because AWOL, they claim to do a lot. But I mean, not even claim because they're honest about it, you know, because originally when they first came out, it was like, hey, playlist placement, all this other stuff that they were claiming that they were doing, but they were tearing it off. So it's like if you was an artist at a certain stage, they would give you that support. But if you wasn't at that stage, they wouldn't. But they weren't disclosing that. But now on their website, they do. Or the last time I checked their website anyway, they have the tiers where they're like, well, if you're at this stage, hey, we're just going to do digital distribution for you and take a percentage. But if you're at this stage, we'll help you this much. And if you're at that stage, we'll help you that much. So if you're not at a certain level, then you're basically sacrificing 15% of your revenue to get the same service that you would get with TuneCore or CD Baby or something like that. But if you are, you know, by successful to a, a, a significant degree, then they'll help you become more successful. Uh, Personic Production says, but one RPM retains up to 30% of your royalties. Not that I know of. As far as I know, with one RPM, they take 15%. Yeah, man. Yeah, he says, uh, AWOL takes 15%, but ever since I use it, Spotify puts me on editorial playlists. Maybe it's just a coincidence. No, I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, they're a big company, you know, and big, like I was talking about before, with distributors and their reputation and who else is on their roster. So it's like the bigger artists that are on the roster and the more valuable catalog that a distributor has, the more pull that distributor has with streaming platforms. So if AWOL decides to actively push an artist, you know, if they like their music or the artist just has metrics that says, hey, you know, this is worth pushing, right? They can get anybody on those editorial playlists or whatever have you because they got the pull, you know? So that's where it's not just about who's the cheapest, you know, sometimes it's optics, right? Who has the the most influence. Sparrow says, do you know any company personally? I mean, a lot of these different companies I know people in them personally. You know, some of them I know the CEOs. Some of them I know like the, the main point, point person that, you know, handles the day-to-day -day and stuff like that, you know. So I be in conversation with them, you know. So, I mean, they reach out to me about certain things. Like if they feel like I mischaracterized something about their business, they'll hit me up and say, hey, man, you know, we feel like you was wrong on this. Could you correct that, you know? So it's, it's, it's a different, and that's also why I, uh, once I really got to doing Pay Us No Mind and got significant traction with it, 
you know, I don't really talk about my music or any music that I've released previously or anything like that. And when it comes to like my opinion on their service, I rely on you guys pretty much to tell me how the actual service is and a sense of things like customer service and things of that nature. Because I know if I sign up and they see GIF from Pay Us No Mind, they're going to treat me differently. So if I reach out and I say, hey, I'm having an issue, they're going to respond because they don't want a bad review versus if you guys reach out to them and say, hey, something's going wrong, they might not care because it's like they feel like, well, you are, you know, you're throwing stones at the castle. Right. So it's like they don't really feel like they, you're going to do them any harm, you know. So that's also uh, a responsibility of mine too to be that voice and to speak up when artists reach out to me and say, hey, you know, something's going wrong here and I look into it. And if I find it's legitimate, then yeah, I got to cover it and say, hey, there's something wrong with this distributor. You know, you guys might want to be aware of it. Yeah, man. Shout out to AWOL, man. He said, I applied for AWOL because DistroKid just stopped delivering the beat, beat port on me. Now using AWOL, I even can use my own label name on Beatport for electronic artists. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's a funny thing, too, man, with these uh bargain distributors. is It's erratic. You know, you don't know what they're going to be doing tomorrow, you know, because the, the low cost means that, like I said, again, they got to cut corners to survive as a business. So, they might decide, hey, you know, we're going to cut stores like they did in this instance. They might decide to change their pricing structure altogether. They might fold, you know, like you just don't know. And you don't want to have that kind of uncertainty. That's like the thing with a lot of artists hit me up about these new distributors that are popping up with these crazy prices where it's like they're charging nothing. I'm like, well, if they're not charging nothing, how can they even afford to survive as a business? So you're going to. That's like you renting a room from somebody that owns a house that can't afford to pay their mortgage you know even if they tell you give me one dollar a month if they can't afford to pay their mortgage how secure are you in the fact that you even gonna have a place to pay a dollar a month to you know what i'm saying odds are you're gonna come home one day and there's gonna be a sign on the door with a marshal out there telling you hey guy everybody kicked out and your stuff is gonna be sitting on the sidewalk so it's like, yo, man, you know, they have to be able to survive as a business. So free sounds great. Super cheap sounds great. But at the same time, it's like, how are they paying for the service? Right. Yeah, man. Let me see what's going on. I'm trying to get to as many questions as I can. What? <laughs> what? Mad Prop says, Root Note takes your moral rights. What? <laughs> moral rights? What is that even? You know, care to elaborate? Is that like, uh, uh, what is that about? Did you mean mechanical rights? Can't be moral rights. Like that, that, something's off there. 
Leezy the Trapper says, what is the best distributor to help you with promotion and the marketing side? I mean, if you're looking for something like that, I would say probably SoundCloud. Really, if I'm being honest, I would say SoundCloud, uh, digital distribution, really repost because they are a company, repost select really, right? And you have to apply. But if they accept you, they're going to do stuff to help you. It's not like, you know, uh, AWOL or uh, Symphonic and those types of distributors who make you apply but will accept you and still not do anything for you if you aren't generating significant streams, you know? So it's like those platforms, they'll accept you, but if they're not at a certain level, they're not gonna do anything for you except take the 15%, right? Where versus uh, platforms like a SoundCloud where, or Repost Select, you know, where if they accept you, they're going to do things to help you get more, you know? I mean, even Repost in general, you know, they have a lot of different uh, things that come their way, licensing opportunities, promotional opportunities that they pass on to the artists in their roster. You know, and the artist is not a guarantee. You got to apply. But, you know, it's opportunities that they extend to the artists in their roster. You know, now they take a percentage, right? A hefty percentage, you know, a repost select. I know repost takes like 20%. Uh, plus uh, 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 a fee, like $30 a year. It's like $30 a year plus 20%. But by that token, you can look and you can say, well, if they're doing more and they're getting you licensing opportunities and stuff like that, and you know you get a licensing offer and that makes you like 10000 or something, you could justify the cost. You know, But that's a distributor that I, that I know, you know actually helps. Dicario Green said, is there an online dist dist distributor that can help you promote on the outlets you want to promote your music on? Yo, most distributors, they don't promote. That's not what they do. Ah, Tosh. That's his name. Tosh. All right, man. My, uh. Tulsa Knights Entertainment Group, Inc. How you feel about Facebook becoming a distributor later this year? They already out doing Vivo on video distribution. I mean, Facebook is to some extent burnt as a company. People don't trust them. You know, they got all of these problems with people's data. You know, I don't I don't really have a lot of faith in uh, Facebook's uh, ability to really succeed anywhere, you know, other than acquisitions, right? Like Facebook buying up other companies. Yeah, because people put their trust in these other companies and don't really kind of forget the fact that Facebook owns them. So it's like how everybody uses Instagram and they be like, you know how you got those uh, those uh, uh, memes that be floating around Facebook where it's like, Facebook, get your content on Facebook because da 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 But yet these same people use Instagram and WhatsApp and everything like that, 
right? So people kind of like almost like cognitive dissonance to some extent where, you know, they recognize all of these things with Facebook, but none of none of it were all of the things that Facebook own. So it's like Facebook can buy other companies and people will use those companies, but things that Facebook itself creates, everybody's suspicious of and doesn't want to use. Seven seventy three, uh, Yolo says, "Does the MLC provide the same service and function as SongTrust? The MLC is exclusively for the U.S., the United States. They do not cover worldwide, so it's only for mechanical royalties earned in the United States. Whereas SongTrust will register your music with the digital with uh performance rights collection societies and mechanical rights collection societies all around the world." Also, they have their own partnerships with platforms, which the MLC does not. So if a new company arises that needs music for their service, SongTrust can formulate direct partnerships with them. Whereas, you know, these other like MLC and a lot of these other companies don't do that. Angie Wise says, thanks for reminding us why we are subscribed to Pay Us No Mind. Your knowledge of the pros and cons is extensive. Uh, thank you, Mama. Chantel says, distro kid of thieves. I don't know, man. Right? Uh, long distance traveler says, ditto quick release. Because you can't request content ID on YouTube till after the release goes live. Then it's another week till content ID kicks in. Then I release the video as uh, does not trigger uh, intro or something, right? I mean, why do you need content ID if the release ain't out yet? I mean, it's another thing. If you already like, like, listen, it makes sense if you are switching distributors, like if you got your music in one store and you're switching from one store to another store. Right. And then if you're doing that, there isn't really no reason for you to wait some long period of time to get your release in stores because it's effectively already in stores. You know, you're just moving it over someplace else. So by that, by that measure, yeah. You know, uh, you want it in stores ASAP to get it off to get off the other distributor. You don't want to still be there paying them or whatever have you, right? So by that measure, yeah, it makes sense, man. But if that's not what you're doing, then it don't make sense. Yeah, man. It says Landa has been good to me thus far. I bought a year of distribution and mastering. Customer service is reliable. They actually have okay customer service yeah man i mean uh the test release that i put up with them it was really attentive man you know reached out to me about certain uh problems and everything like that man so it was cool uh lazy the trapper says what is the best between ascap and bmi i mean uh song trust versus sound exchange they are two completely different companies that do two completely different things you know, they are not the same at all. You know, SongTrust uh, collects uh, performance. 
performance royalties, or you could say publishing royalties for the publisher, right? The publisher's share of your performance royalties and mechanical royalties. Sound Exchange collects uh, royalties for digital mechanic or digital public digital publishing effectively right or not even uh they collect for uh digital performance royalties so the same royalties that songwriters get for radio airplay uh people who own the master and the performers get royalties for digital radio airplay like on pandora or you know things of that nature uh live 365 radio satellite radio that's what Sound Exchange collects royalties for. So them and, and Song Trust, you would need Song Trust and Sound Exchange, you know, or Sound Exchange and Song Trust. It's not either or, it's both. Right? Uh, Acrylite says, amuse or I groove, neither. <laughs> neither is any good or not even, not that, not that they're any good. I mean, I wouldn't use either. You know, for me, it's either Song Trust. I mean, Song Trust. I mean, I'm tired now, right? For me, it's either TuneCore or, you know, if I'm on the lower end, you know, I want to use a CD Baby or a Ditto, you know, or a Lander, right? Those are like the companies that I would I would rock with. But yeah, man, you guys see me or hear me, right? I'm, I'm mistaking one company for another. I'm tired. I'm going to get up out of here, man. It's been real good, people. I appreciate everybody for rocking with me, everybody for tuning in and all of this, man. You know, I got some other videos coming, man. I know uh, a lot of this uh, NFT business and all of these different things, this new stuff coming. I'm going to cover some of those things and give my critical analysis of these things because some of them don't make sense, right? And a lot of artists are are within their they're right and justify and questioning a lot of it, you know, and some of it do make sense and can benefit artists. So I want to cover it and talk about the good and the bad. Uh, some other stuff with digital distribution as well. We got coming. So stay tuned, man, you know, uh, subscribe to the channel in, in, in the sense of becoming a member because there's certain perks that I'm going to be given, you know, to members. Yeah, yo. So yeah, man, stay tuned, y'all. As always, Y'all can hit me up at PaySNoMind on Twitter, at PaySNoMind on Instagram, PaySNoMind at gmail.com. If you want to email me, uh, PaySNoMind.eth for my crypto folks. Uh, this is GIF signing off. PaySNoMind. Peace, good people. One. Can you dig it, sucker? <laughs>